Thank you, Lord. Isn't God good? It's Thanksgiving season, and we're talking about Thanksgiving. Now, last week, I talked to you about giving thanks to God. Generally, the ungodly never do, but the godly are to be thankful towards God. So, Thanksgiving, giving thanks to Him. Today, I want to talk about a different kind of Thanksgiving. Giving this way because you're thankful this way. Okay? Giving thanks also results in a giving heart. Guarantee you, you cannot be a thankful person without being a giving person. I defy you to prove it otherwise. You can't do it. If you're thankful, you're a giver. And you know what? I've never known an unhappy, thankful person. I've known a lot of unhappy, unthankful people. But thankful people tend to be happy because they count their blessings and they thank God for their blessings. But when you're thankful, it also goes this way. And so I want to talk to you about giving of what you have because you're thankful for what he has done. So we're going to read together 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. I'll read it for you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8. Let's just read what Paul says about being thankful and, uh, and about giving. And this is out of the Living Bible, in case you're wondering. Now, Paul writes, but remember this, if you give little, you will get little. A farmer who plants just a few seeds will get only a small crop. But if he plants much, he will reap much. Everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to. Can everybody say amen there? You ought not force, coerce, cajole, manipulate, none of that. We don't do that here. You give out of a heart that's been touched by grace. Amen? So he says, don't force anybody to give more than he really wants to, for cheerful givers are the ones that God prizes. Look at verse 8. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more. So there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over for what? Read it with me. To give joyfully to others. That's the way God blesses. He blesses us with enough to give to others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Thanksgiving. I thank you for the power, the hidden power that is in giving thanks, that is in giving thanks to God and being thankful where we give to others. Now I pray that, Lord, you'll renew our minds, stretch our faith, Help us, Lord, to really get this today and change us by changing our mind. Now, can you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, change my mind and renew my mind in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor it's going to be good. Perk up and listen. You're going to need this. You're going to need this. Amen. Now, the, the principles of investing in kingdom work. Just shout from these verses. God is telling us to be a giver. There's no way you can get close to God and not be a giver because God's a giver. God so loved the world, he kept his only begotten son? No. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now, there's a context for these verses, and here it is. Some of the Gentile churches of Macedonia like Philippi and Thessalonica, you remember the letter to the Philippians, the letter to the Thessalonians, churches like that, Gentile churches who were themselves struggling in poverty and struggling under persecution, who didn't near have enough, those churches 
are raising an offering for the poor saints who are in Jerusalem. So the idea is this, that those that were already hurting, those that were lacking, decided to give anyway. They didn't let their own need and their own poverty and their own lack keep them from giving to those that were in need. I learned a long time ago, if you want to get out of depression, minister to somebody else. If, you want to, if you're in a real funk and, and you're, you're, you're blue and your life seems to be struggling, the best thing you can do is reach out and give to somebody else. And these Thessalonians and these Philippians and churches like that were greatly struggling. And so the Bible says that they decided to get together and take up a great big offering and send it to people in Jerusalem, Christians in Jerusalem, who are also poor. Out of their own suffering and need, they are liberally giving to others who are hurting. Now, it's to these givers that Paul writes, if you invest little, you reap little. If you invest much, you'll reap much. The God who gives you seed to sow will give you more and more seed to give away. And as you give some away, God is able. Everybody say, God is able. I'm telling you that we're preaching and ministering a God today who is fully able to take care of you and take care of me. He says, God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that you can keep right on blessing others. Now, look at the reason God gives to us, not only to take care of our own needs, but so we can bless others. God gives to us with the intent that we would understand that part of his blessing is that we would give to others, that we would give to others, and it's not all about us. And then he made us a promise, God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so you can keep blessing others. He's highlighting a cycle of giving and receiving. This is somebody who's learning to give and then receive, give and then receive, give and then receive. He's teaching us a cycle of living, a way of life to give and to receive and then give again and then receive and then give more and then receive more. He's teaching us how to live. He's teaching us how to be, how to view finances. And, and so we're to be givers. Now, somebody said to me one time, you know, I, I gave, I tithed one week and it didn't work for me. Let me tell you something. You tithe and then you tithe again, then you tithe again, and then you tithe again. Or you give again. Because what you're doing is you're putting into motion a cycle. You're putting into motion a way of living. And you will find that God watches what you do and watches what you give. And as you give away, I have learned you can never, you cannot outgive God. When you give away, he will give back. Giving you everything you need and more. I love that word more. More. He will give more. See, sin subtracts, but God always multiplies. Sin will always steal from us and, and, and bring lack to us and bring regret to us and subtract from us. But God multiplies. Now, one thing the Bible does is the Bible teaches us to think like God. When you open up your Bible, what you're looking at is a book full of God thoughts. It's God's thinking. And that's how we renew our minds. We renew our minds by reading the Bible because the Bible is a book full of God thoughts. And that's what renewing the mind is all about. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the acceptable, good, and perfect will of God. 
So our minds are renewed by reading the Bible, which are God thoughts, how God thinks, what he's like, what matters to him, how we can please him. We would never know if the Bible had, if, if God had not given us the holy word of God to tell us what he's like. And it reveals beyond the shadow of a doubt that God himself is an investor. Now, not like a Wall Street investor, so don't think that way, but he is an, an investor this way. He acts with an investment mindset, always. Let me show you how. For instance, Jesus said, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He lops off every branch that doesn't produce and he prunes those branches that bear fruit for even larger crops. Now notice, when God plants a vineyard, he does it with an investment motive. If the vine doesn't produce fruit, he lops it off. If it does produce fruit, he prunes it so that it will bring forth more fruit. What are we seeing here? That God acts with an investment mentality. When he moves, he expects a return, and he, he gets a return. My, my word, even when he sends out his word, it's with an investment mentality. My word will not return to me void, but it will do what I send it forth to accomplish. Because when he sends forth his word, it is with an investment mentality. Again, later in the same chapter, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Now, we get saved and we go out and we say, hey, last night I found the Lord. No, you didn't. Last night the Lord found you. The Lord found you. He chased you down. Some of you in here and some watching by video, he's been chasing you for a while. And let me tell you who's going to win. That's why he's called the hound of heaven. And, and, and so, so God chased, God drew us. God convicted us. God showed us our need for salvation. God graced us to repent, and we got saved. And Jesus said, I chose you, but look, he chose us for a reason and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So catch this now. Not only did he save us for heaven, but he also called us and chose us to produce kingdom fruit. He chose you with an investment mentality. See, God invested in you. You are an investment of God. I want you to picture yourself like a seed. You're like a seed that he has sown into the world. And he expects a return on the seed. So he says, I chose you to bring forth kingdom fruit, not only internally but externally. Internally, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. That's the things Jesus is looking for when he inspects our lives for fruit. He invested in us so that we would bring forth kingdom fruit, but also externally, souls being saved, lives being changed, a culture being influenced for the kingdom of God. He chose us with an investment in mind, not just to get us to heaven, but while on earth, he would receive a return. You know, I want to be fruitful for the Lord Jesus. Amen? How many, how many of you want to be fruitful for Jesus? How many of you want to be influential for Jesus? Amen? Well, he's called you, he chose you with a reason in mind that you would go and bring forth fruit and your fruit should remain. And that is his return on his investment. God thinks with an investment mentality. He sows in order to reap. 
He plants and then looks for growth. He acts with a return in mind. Think about it. I would go as so far as to say that Jesus was sown by God into the world with a huge return in mind. And I'm looking at part of the return, you. The Bible says it was fitting for him, that is God, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Notice what it says there. This is why Jesus was sown into the world, to bring many sons to glory. He was sown into the world to bring sons to glory. God invested his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And every time somebody is saved, God just got a return on his investment. And every time you bring forth fruit, God just got a return on his investment. And every time you go out and you influence somebody for the kingdom of God, God just got a return on his investment. And every time the devil loses ground and the kingdom of God gains ground, God just got a return on his investment. Amen? God thinks with an investment mentality. Now, watch this. When Jesus wanted to feed the multitudes, he asked a little boy to invest what he had in the work of the kingdom. You remember the story. And the little boy had five loaves and two fish. No doubt his mama packed him a little sack lunch before he walked out that day because he was going to go out and follow Jesus. So, so Jesus turned to the disciples. He sees this mass of people. 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, so we can assume there was a good 10,000 people out there. And Jesus said to the disciples, I want to feed them. And they looked at him and said, well, that's a great dream. Dream on. And Jesus said, what do you have? And they looked around and said, we don't have anything, but this little boy over here, he's got a sack lunch. He's got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring it to me. Now watch this. Jesus wanted to feed the multitudes. He asked a little boy to invest what he had in the work of the kingdom. Jesus was the kingdom and is the kingdom. When we seek first the kingdom of God, we could also just put it this way. I'm seeking first Jesus. Jesus is the kingdom of God. He was doing kingdom work. And he wanted to feed this multitude and do a great miracle, but here's what he needed. He needed what they had so he could do what they could not do. He wanted them to invest in kingdom work so that he could do a miracle. Oh, folks, he hadn't changed at all. Jesus wants to do things all over the world right now. And you know what he says? I'm looking for my people to come forward and invest in the kingdom of God because what we invest in the kingdom of God is never going to subtract. It's always going to multiply. Look what happened to this little boy. Jesus took his investment. The little boy said, well, here's what I've got. I've got five loaves and two fish. Now, notice he didn't say, well, I've got five loaves, so I'll give you one. He said, no, everything that I've got, I've got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, give it to me. Give me what you have, and when you give me what you have, I'm going to give you what you could never have. And when you do what you can do, I'm going to do what you could never do. And so the little boy turned over the five loaves and the two fish. And Jesus took his investment, blessed his investment, then distributed his investment, and 5,000 people, 10,000 including women and children, 
were fed and 12 baskets of food were left over. You think they didn't walk over that little boy with one of those 12 baskets of food and say, here, you gave us five loaves and two fish. Here's a great big basket full. You think he walked away hungry? No way. He invested what he had in kingdom work and Jesus multiplied his investment and it was used for a great miracle. This is an absolutely perfect example of investing monetarily in the kingdom of God. Jesus wanted to reach that vast crowd and the little boy invested his material goods into the work of the kingdom. And Jesus multiplied it and it paid off mightily. Look at all those people that were fed. Look at all the children that were fed. Look at all of those hungry people that had followed Jesus for three days and nights without food and suddenly they've got all they can eat and more because one person sowed, invested in kingdom work. One day Jesus told the story of a certain rich man who was very successful monetarily, but he lived only for himself. He describes him this way. His barns were full to overflowing. He couldn't get everything in. He thought about his problem and finally exclaimed, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough and I'll sit back and say to myself, look at the way this rich man is thinking now. Look how he's thinking. I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Hit the golf course. Move to Florida. Wine, women, song for you. But what he didn't count on was the day of his death. When he would face his maker. You see, he said to himself, I want you to look at the way he was talking to himself. It says, he said to himself, I have many years to come. You see that he said that? And Jesus, listen, Jesus knew all men and the way men think. And so he says right here, he says, I've got many years to come. I've worked all my life. Now I'm really going to enjoy life. Now I've got a great 401k. I've got more than I need to live on for years to come. So I'm going to go and just enjoy life, hit the links, go where I want, chase women, drink booze. That's what Jesus said he was thinking. But he didn't have years to come. He died on the day of his retirement. Can I say that again? He died on the day of his retirement. Jesus describes that day. God said to him, fool. Now, I don't call people fools, but if Jesus calls them a fool, I'll call them a fool. <laughs> Jesus said this way of thinking is foolish, idiotic, moronic. That's, the Greek, that's what the Greek says, idiotic and moronic. Foolish thinking is idiotic and moronic. And, and one definition is also insane. You're, you're insane. See, he's saying this man lived only for himself. And he assumed he had years to come, all kinds of life to live, but he had no idea. Look what Jesus said. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The moral of the story here is this rich man lived all of his life for himself. You know, you and I have a Godhead, a God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, but his Godhead was me, myself, and I. He lived for himself, worked for himself, 
stored up for himself, saved for himself. It was all about him. But he wasn't rich toward God. And he never gave a thought to giving God his heart, his time, or his money. And Jesus called him a fool. Jesus called him a fool. Now I have here a $10 bill. I, I looked for a new one, couldn't find one. This one droops. There's nothing I can do about it. So I'm going to do it like this. But it's a $10 bill. Here it is. Now, this $10 bill represents your life. If I give you this $10 bill today, you can spend it any way you want. But you can only spend it once. You'll never see it again. And that's your life. God gives you and I a life. He gives us life. Today is a gift from God. That You got up today and were able to come to church. That's a gift from God. He gave you today. He gave you today. You're here today because God let you be here. Amen? It's a gift. God has given you a life. He's given you today. And you've lived up to now. And he has given you a life. But here's what God says. You can spend it any way you want to because I've given you a will. But you can only spend it once. You're not coming back as a cow or a cricket or a bird. There's no reincarnation. What an idiotic way of viewing things. How do you know that? You don't know. It's not true. The Bible says it's given unto a man to die only one time, and after that he faces the judgment. That's what it says. So we have one life to live, as the soap opera says, to handle all of our children as the world turns. even though you feel young and restless. I'm on a roll here. <laughs> but you really do only have one life to live. See? And, and God gives you your life, and he says, there you go. I've given you life on this planet. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. And after that, the judgment. You can spend it on yourself, or you can invest part of your life on others, on a hobby, on education, on family. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But I want you to hear me today, church. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But here's the deal. What about God? What about God? Because Jesus talked about being rich toward God. The, the, where this man missed it. And this man was gifted. He was smart. He was a smart businessman. He was able to accrue great wealth. If he had lived today, he'd have made it very well on Wall Street or in business. He would have been a corporate head. He would have made a lot of money. This guy is like a Bill Gates. He was wealthy. He had so much money... He didn't know where to put it. He had to build bigger places just to store what he had earned. He was very successful. If he was alive today, he would have been admired. He would have been patted on the back. Everybody would have wanted to know him and be his friend. But Jesus said he missed it. He missed it. Do you know that sin means to miss the mark? That's what it means. And this man, though he had gained the whole world lost his soul. Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? 
but loses his own soul. Because you can't take anything with you. You can send things ahead of you. You can send rewards ahead of you. You can live for God and send rewards ahead of you so that you are rewarded when you meet God, but you can't take any of your money with you, your car with you, your clothes with you, your house with you. You can't take any of it with you. But this man never thought of that. This man that Jesus is talking about never thought about that. And Jesus said the one thing he missed is the one thing he should have gotten above all else. He said he was not rich toward God. He was not rich toward God. When it came to money, this man had been greatly blessed by God, but he gave none of it back. There's really only three ways that we can be rich toward God. With our time, with our heart. The Bible says redeeming the time because the days are evil. With your heart, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Soul, mind, and strength. You can be rich toward God with your time, rich toward God with your heart, and rich toward God with your finances. And when it came to finances, this rich man gave nothing back. The $10 bill that was his life, God didn't get a dime. Not a dime. He didn't do anything for the kingdom. He did it all for himself. Fool! said Jesus. When it comes to material things, the Bible teaches us to invest part of what God gives us financially back into his kingdom. Listen again to Paul. For God who gives seed. Now you need to know seed. He was talking to farmers. He's talking to people living an agrarian lifestyle. And seed was their money. Seed was their money. Because seed is what they sowed and they got a harvest and that's the way they ate. So seed was their money. So for God who gives seed to that farmer to plant and later on good crops to harvest and eat will give you more and more. Everybody say more and more. Notice when you're dealing with God, it's always more and more. When you're dealing with the devil, it's always less and less. But look what God does. He gives you more and more seed to plant and will make it grow so that you can give away. There it is. Give away more and more. Now look at the more and mores. He gives you more and more seed to plant, and he gives you more and more fruit from your harvest to give away, to invest in the kingdom. God provides for our own needs and also enough for us to give away. And here's the promise. When you invest financially into his kingdom's work or with your time or with your heart, your affection, When you invested in in the kingdom, like that little boy did, Jesus was the kingdom. He invested in Jesus. When you invest it, here's the promise. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty. Everybody say plenty. Plenty, why? Left over to give joyfully to others. Clearly, clearly, the Bible is teaching us how to invest in the kingdom of God like that little boy did. To invest in the kingdom of God. So out of this $10 bill that represents your life, let me ask you, and I've asked myself this before I ever got up here to speak today. Here's your life. For my radio listeners, I'm still holding this $10 bill. Here's your life, $10. Out of the $10, how much of your life has God gotten? How much have you invested of the 10? 
into the kingdom of God. Your time, your heart, your finances. 1%, 5%, 10%. Now let me tell you something. When it comes to your life, and I'm speaking for me here, but when it comes to the whole 10, my life, God gets the whole 10. He gets all of me. You know why? Because he gave all of him. Jesus didn't give a percentage of the 10 for you and me. He gave it all. He gave his life. That's the $10. He gave the whole 10 for you and for me. He stretched out his hands, stretched out his feet. They nailed him to a cross of shame. He, he allowed them to whip his back so that we could be healed. He allowed them to blaspheme him so that we could be redeemed. He, he allowed himself to be abused so that we would no longer be abused by sin and by the devil. He gave it all, all to him I owe, not a percentage, all to him I owe, all to him, so that, so that he gets the whole 10 of me. I mean, I, this morning I was driving to church and, I, and it, it hit me. And this is really going to date me. This is going to age me, but that's okay. I'm getting where I don't care anymore. But here's the deal. I've been preaching for 46 years. I started when I was a teenager. Now, now you know why? And, and I love doing it. I hope he gives me 46 more because if he does, I'm still going to preach. I'm going to minister the word of God because I love ministering the word of God. But here's the deal. I gave him the whole 10 because I realized he gave me the whole 10. So he got all of Jeff, not part of Jeff. He got all of Jeff. I bowed before the lordship of, of Jesus Christ. I look up and I say, you're the boss, applesauce, not me. God is the boss. He is Lord of every waking minute and every sleeping minute. He is Lord. He owns me and he gets all 10%. I mean, all the whole $10 he gets. All of me. But what have you given back to God? Does he have a percentage of you when it comes to finances? A little spare change here and there? Or genuinely sacrificial giving? I'm going to leave you with a thought today. Whatever you give to, you empower it to continue. Whatever you give finances to, you empower it to continue. That little boy gave five loaves and two fishes, gave his sack lunch, and look what it did. It, look what it did. Jesus took it, blessed it, broke it, and distributed it, and it, and it blessed over 10,000 people. What he gave blessed over 10,000 people just by turning it over. He gave to the kingdom of God, and it empowered, it, it enabled, it, it set the context for Jesus to do a miracle. Whatever you and I give to, we empower it to continue. Netflix can't make it without your money. How many of you sow to Netflix? Don't even raise your hand. I don't want to know. You sow to Netflix. Hollywood can't sustain itself without your finances. McDonald's, Burger King, Domino's Pizza, or your favorite restaurant would soon go under without your hard-earned dollar. None of them can make it unless you give to it. You've got to, and when you give to them, when you go to their place of business and you buy what they are selling, you are empowering them to continue. And in the same way, it takes finances 
to send missionaries, to build churches, to reach people by radio and television and keep the lights on and worship facilities. It takes finances to build a kitchen, a fellowship hall, to make room for people, to bless people. It takes finances. And we need to be very, very careful that at least part of the 10 of our life When we get paid, God says, I've given you what you need for your own needs, but I've also given you enough to give to others. That that when we give to others, it doesn't just go to secular organizations, but it goes to the kingdom business. Kingdom business. See, when you tithe here, you are reaching tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people by radio alone. Kingdom business. Now, with that in mind, what percentage of your time and your heart and your finances are being invested in God's kingdom, starting with here at TPC and then beyond? Is God getting, you know, sometimes we're better to waitresses. We tip waitresses better than we give to God sometimes. Here's the secret blessing or the secret to blessing A real secret, a real key. I want you to catch this. How many of you want to be blessed? All right. The secret to blessing is to be a giver. Because here's the deal. If God knows he can get it through you, he will get it to you. If God knows if I give to them, if I bless them, they're going to give a part of that 10. They're going to give a part of that 10 to, to kingdom work to bless my people and to reach people for my kingdom, for my son. If, if I know that that's what they're going to do with it and they're not going to hold it back, if I know I can get it through them, then I will get it to them. Come on, everybody. I'm preaching good. Catch this now. That's what Paul is teaching us. You give, he gives back. You give more, he gives more. You give more and more, he gives more and more. And you start a cycle because if God knows he can get it through you to others, he will get it to you. He will trust you with more. Amen, he will. I want to challenge you for the remainder of 2017 and beyond to be rich toward God. This is your life. How much is he getting? Amen. Can we stand together? How many of you can say, since I got saved, Pastor Jeff, he's gotten all of me? Raise your hand if that's true. Amen. How many of you, well, I won't ask for hands, but I know that with some of you, you're in a struggle with the Holy Ghost right now because God is saying, I want this and I want that in your life so that I can do this and do that. So as soon as you give that up or this up, then I will bring in this and I will bring in that. And when you give up this or that, then he's going to have all of you. Christianity doesn't work till he's got the whole ten. Amen? Can we lift our hands to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. He loves you. I'm not here in any way to judge you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to nudge you into blessing. Father, we come to you right now as those that you have chosen with an investment mentality that our lives would produce fruit. 
not only inside of us, Lord, but influential fruit, impacting the culture, soul winning, blessing others because of the treasure that is in us. Now I want you to just pray a prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. The whole ten. Thank you for blessing me. Help me to invest in the kingdom of God in the days to come. Of my time, my heart, my finances. In the name of Jesus.